So it is Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that had he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Amen. Amen. So I think we're passing over to Mackie now. I'll just quickly pray for you, Mackie, before you share. Uh, Father God, thank you um, for this passage, for this parable, and thank you for Mackie and all that he's prepared for us this morning. And I just pray you'd speak through him now and bless him as he brings your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, as we got reminded in the beginning of the service uh, that Jesus shared a lot of stories, and as I've said all the way through, that these stories that Jesus shared, and we can read them in the Bible, they were not just good moral stories. They were stories of invitation for people to actually not only listen to the message of the stories, but also to respond. And as I've said, the stories were in between things. And Jesus was very wise and he was very good in, in telling the stories. But also the Holy Spirit who has inspired the writers of the gospel was very wise in giving us the picture of where these stories fit as they unfold in the life and the ministry of Jesus. And again, we're going to the gospel of Matthew. And uh, it's, it's a story that he talks about this unforgiving servant, and it's bang on in the middle of some great things happening, actually. So I, I've, I've read a little bit uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and I, I've read, and I'm trying to, to grasp, and the, the beauty of retrospect is that we know the whole, the, the, the whole story. So uh, I would say, this story is in between mountains, if that's the first statement, because we've got, in the Gospel of Matthew, we've got Jesus, who is teaching, and he's a great 
at um, expanding the truths of the kingdom, of what does it mean for him to be the king, and how this kingdom of Jesus is going to come to earth. And it's, it's on top of a mountain, and, and he's teaching his disciples. And there he teaches them a prayer. And then he teaches them what are some of the um, outworkings of the reign of Christ in people's life. So Jesus' kingdom was not territorial, but it was in people's hearts. So it was between mountains. And, and, and then we've got another mountain episode, just in chapter 17, where Peter, James, and John, and John go with Jesus in the mountain. And they foretaste something glorious of what the kingdom of heaven is going to be. It's a foretaste. It's just a glimpse of what the glory of Jesus is going to be. And in between that, Jesus tells this story about the unforgiving uh, servants. And then we've got the other mountain, and that's the cross. So it's a story in between the glory and the, the glorious and the suffering servant, the glorious Messiah and the suffering servant. From the Mount of Transfiguration, so when they see a little bit of who Jesus really is and how Jesus is going to be treated in the coming weeks in the path of rejection at the Mount of Crucifixion. It's the story in between questions when Peter asks the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The beginning of chapter 18. And the expansion of that question with a lot of parables. And Peter, later on in the gospel, finds himself denying, turning his back to Jesus. And understanding what forgiveness is. To see a different kind of Peter later on in the early start of the church when he's preaching the gospel in the response to the forgiveness that he has received to see people come to know Jesus. And to, to focus a little bit more, this story is in between crisis. Chapter 15, 17 is, is the disciples' lack of faith, Distress when they're told that Jesus is going to die and the miracles and the question that Peter is asking. And it's, it's in between the tension of Christ's kingdom when the outward, out, outward, um, outward looking of it is working in signs and miracles and healing and really telling this great stories for people to respond. But also there is that inwards orientation that in order for you to be part of this kingdom is not that you just simply adhere to it but you allow the reign of Christ to change you and this is bang on the middle when we're talking about well what does a life of a disciple look like in relationship to others. Yes, the kingdom has got the dynamic of us relating to God and God relating to us, but also it's got that other dynamic of us relating to one another. And Jesus tells this 
parable, which I think is, is so clever of him, in response to uh, Peter's question, in response to actually um, Peter's pious question, really, in the sense that um, he, he does ask the question and he says, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Poor Andrew, if it's taken literally, up to seven times? And it looks like Peter has really ticked the boxes because the kind of expectation, well, it was not kind of, it was not kind of, the expectation was that you were required by law to forgive up to three times. So Peter goes up to the uh, to generosity of saying seven times. And somehow Jesus has to say that the kingdom, his kingdom, is not about keeping track, but it's a kingdom of generosity in response to God's generosity. And he tells this parable. He tells the parable of the king that is found his debtors who could never in many lifetimes pay the debt he owns. So in, in our money, really, it's two million pounds. Never could you pay this. Never can you repay this. And, and actually, that is the point. The, the debt was incalculable. And against all the expectations, the king forgives this debtor when he asks him for mercy. And he forgives him to the point that this debt is totally cancelled. It's totally wiped off. There is no debt whatsoever. And this is... The, the point where Jesus is talking about God's grace of forgiving us. And that's why we've been talking about these parables, because Jesus was passionate to come after people, to come alongside people, and to show them that actually the kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of the religious leaders who are keeping track of what you have done and how you have failed, but the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of grace. And he was preparing them, that's why this is a story in between, to what he was going to go through in order to allow you and me to embrace this great generosity of God. So God is kind, God is loving, God is gracious when we come broken before him. Because we can never repay back what we owe. Be patient with me, said the debtor, and I'll repay everything. That's really unrealistic. I'll try a bit harder. I'll do a little bit this, like this. I'll, I'll, I'll give it another go. And, and the reality is that we, in order to embrace God's kingdom, we need to embrace his grace. That we don't have to do anything to earn that, 
nor do we have to do anything to, to deserve that. It's just a free gift, abundant generosity from God. And then this, this, this really parable invites you to take sides. And you end up taking the side against your own actions. Because it invites you to think, oh, how cruel of that person who was forgiven so much. And he goes and asks for the pennies back from somebody who owed money to him. Did this man behave towards the others with the generosity that he had received? No. He wanted to go down the, the, the road that actually he was not going to let go because that was his money. So we're going to talk and think a little bit about forgiveness. And I've, I've mentioned forgiveness in the past and I, I feel like this is such an, uh, an important subject because as people we need to be reminded regularly not only about God's forgiveness and us accepting his forgiveness, but how do we respond to that forgiveness in our relationships to one another? And this is the point that Jesus is trying to make here to Peter and to the other disciples. That this kingdom that Jesus is introducing is not just a good moral kingdom. It's a kingdom that is expecting people to change in a way that reflects the king. It's expecting people to, to, to behave and to, to act in ways that actually it's, it, it brings out very clearly the, the, the values of the kingdom. So forgiveness. Now, I think we all struggle with, with forgiveness. And it's, it's something that we need to be reminded regularly. Um, if you are like me, you, you probably will have, um, you, you'd identify with some of the things. So for me, when it comes to forgiveness, my take is that if I have forgiven somebody, I look more for that act or that reaction of gratitude for people that I have forgiven. And I go back to the resentment that people sometimes are so ungrateful to the amount that I have forgiven them. Um, if you like me, you'd think of forgiveness that if somebody has said sorry, then that needs to be true from that point onwards. Otherwise, why is he saying sorry? If you are like me, you probably would think that as the public or the society demands uh, forgiveness, demands people to say sorry, and this, this public stories that need to come in the media about people saying, I'm really sorry, and we all demand that. I, I am really frustrated that although I expect that to happen for people towards me, it's for me frustrating that 
I do not show any signs that actually, if they have said sorry and they've meant it, then I need to forgive them. The, 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 the question that Jesus is answering here to Peter is not only about the outworking of forgiveness, but I think he's touching a deeper issue here, is the resentment. And being in that place of resentment is a misery. And Jesus is offering Peter to experience, and the disciples, the abundance of God's forgiveness towards them. And that's why I said this story is in between, because you see it in the life of Peter. And he is expecting them to react on the basis of that. So if Jesus has prayed at the Sermon on the Mount, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What does Jesus do on the Mount of Crucifixion? He is on the cross and in the midst of injustice and unfairness and stuff, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. So, the, the challenge of this parable is for us to look once again afresh at the offer of forgiveness that God has got for each and every one of us. And to come to that place of acknowledging that Jesus has cancelled it all through his death and his resurrection. And that's the place then that we look to act upon in the way that we forgive and not resent others. Now, this can sound very theoretical. And the point of the parables of Jesus is not for this to be theoretical. This can sound very moral. And the point of parables of Jesus is not to be sounding very moral and pious. The point of the parables of Jesus is for us not to just take the cheap grace God, without the forgiveness of sins, without Jesus and his sacrifice, costly grace, perhaps, is the treasure in the field that you find. And you sell everything because you have found this treasure and you, joy, you have joy over it. So the question that I've got for us this week, and before I say that, I wanted to show you that Jenny invited us in the beginning of the week of the service to write to make a crown and to write things in the crown. You probably cannot read them, but I've said, um, crown him the God of love, crown him the God of peace, crown him the God of comfort, crown him the God of provision, crown him the God of strength, and crown him the God of forgiveness. That's our God. And in the light of being experienced, or in the light of being exposed today to this truth, and experiencing God's generous forgiveness, how will you be dealing this week with forgiveness and resentment? And my prayer is that we will find afresh today God's grace and respond to his teaching 
with a changed heart for his glory. Amen. It's been great over the last few weeks to hear Ruth share something, uh, something about some real people who've put into practice some of the things we've been thinking about. So who's up today, Ruth? Fabulous. Oh, sorry, I need to get rid of that a little bit. And hopefully we're all here. Well, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I changed what I'd originally, I think I mentioned, hinted around last week as to what we were going to talk about today, but we're actually going to do something a bit different. Um, so I was thinking about the forgiveness um, that we've learned about today from this, um, from this parable. And I was just looking for some different examples of people who've really put that into practice. So I want to share with you today three people from all around the world who have grasped the truth of that parable, who have grasped how much they have been forgiven and have given that same forgiveness to other people in their lives. So the first person I'd like to introduce us to is, if I get my thing, is Giovanni. Giovanni's from the Central African Republic. I think he's now in his, in his late teens. But when he was a child, he was at church one Sunday with his aunt when um, a Muslim extremist came in and threw a grenade which landed near his feet. And that led to Giovanni in the end having both his legs removed. And since then, he's still not able to walk properly. Many other people in the church died or were badly injured. And in fact, it, it transpired afterwards that they hadn't even met, intended to be that church that got hit. And you can imagine for a, a young boy to lose um, his legs, his ability to play and run, and having that day-to-day -day pain and having to learn again how to walk, he could so easily have been so bitter. But in his growing up years, in those times in church, he'd heard about Jesus. He'd heard about how he had been forgiven. And even some might say, oh, he's a young boy, he's not done much wrong. He knew that he was a sinner in need of forgiveness, and he knew that Jesus had made it possible for him to be forgiven. And I think that's phenomenal. Giovanni says, if I should one day meet the Muslim man who shot the grenades at my church, I will not be angry. I will smile. I do not even have the heart to hurt him. I think that he doesn't really know how terrible it is what he has done. I will greet him and say, God forgives you and he wants me to forgive you too. You do not know what you have done to me, but I forgive you. And once I have told him that, I will never be angry with him. <sighs> Big words from just a young boy. The second person I want to introduce to you is Maureen, a little closer to home. Maureen's from Sheffield and some of you might remember, I certainly did, the story, I think it was back in, I wrote down that in 2012, December 2012, Christmas Eve, her husband, who were, both of them were faithful uh, Christians, churchgoers, and her husband played the organ at the local church. So uh, he was heading off to church to play the organ for the midnight mass when he was set upon by two uh, young boys who hit him over the head and killed him. It was a senseless attack, and even when the boys went to trial, it, it became apparent that they didn't have anything personal uh, with Alan. They were just out to kill someone. Senseless. Again, Maureen could so easily have turned so bitter, but she made a choice 
she made a choice early on to ask God to help her to forgive these boys. And that's it. Forgiveness, I think, is not a feeling. I think we very rarely just feel a warm glow of, oh, I'm going to forgive someone. It's a choice we make. And for Maureen, she, she made that choice. She asked God to help her. And she made that choice. And I'm sure for her, as for many of these people, that wasn't just a once-off. Perhaps each time she thought of them, as she stood in court and saw them, there was that choice to be made again. Yes, I still forgive you. Yes, I choose to live forgiving you and not harboring resentment. And in fact, as I looked around the internet for, for stories, there were people who perhaps weren't Christians, who didn't profess faith, who I'd seen had done acts of forgiveness. But I thought, how wonderful for us as Christians that not only have we experienced true forgiveness ourselves, but we also have the Holy Spirit to help us. And in these big examples, but even in our own lives, there might be things that humanly we say, I can never forgive that person. They don't deserve my forgiveness. What they did is so wrong. But we as Christians have our Heavenly Father who we can turn to. And by his spirit, he enables us to do the impossible and to forgive even the most awful sin. The third and final person I want to introduce you to is, again, someone whose, whose face you might remember. Oh, sorry, let me just read you. This is what Maureen said. It says, I prayed, Father, please help me to forgive whoever has done this to Alan. Help me to forgive them totally and completely so that I will never think of whoever has done this with anything but praying for them and giving them into your hands. I said to God, I want you to give me the ability to forgive them. I want to leave them in your hands because you will deal with them with your mercy, grace and justice. I don't want to be waking up in the night thinking horrible thoughts about them. I want this forgiveness from you and for you to give me the grace to do it. So this is Kim, your photo of her on, on the left. Many of you um, grown up certainly will have probably seen this image and that's taken from June the 8th, 1972, during the Vietnamese War. Kim is the girl who you see there who's naked and her, her and her family had just been bombed with napalming and she was experiencing horrendous burns on her body as she ran away from it. Kim, about 10 years later, after even committing suicide, such was the pain and, that she was still living with, she found a New Testament in a library. And as she read that, it led her to find out and to get to know Jesus. And as she got to know him, she experienced that life-transforming forgiveness that he offers each and every person. And she managed, she came to that place with that knowledge of her forgiveness to offer forgiveness, even to the pilot that dropped that bomb on her. And the phenomenal thing is that I was reading quite a bit about her life. And even now as a, uh, an adult, I think it's about 40, 50 years later, she still has excruciating pain day to day. And again, could so easily still be blaming, but she lives day to day forgiving those people who do that, who did that to her. But also as I thought about these three examples, I thought these are all really big things. And, and in one thing, there's a challenge that this offers us to think, well, if these people have forgiven big things, you know, what can I do? Can I do that? 
But for many of us, I think if I speak for myself, I'm fortunate enough to say I've never been wronged, perhaps to this extreme. But the danger for me is I am someone who very easily gets bitter. And it's not necessarily these massive things. It's little things that I choose not to forgive. Little things that build up that I allow to bring resentment in my heart. And I wonder that for you today, whether it's a friend who has an annoying habit of doing something and over the years it's just built up and it does your head in and you hold that against them. Maybe it's someone in your family, your spouse, who over the years that thing they do has lent to bitterness and resentment in your heart. Are we ready to forgive those people? The opportunity, I, I love the, um, the image I found, let's click through, uh, that's been in the background here, those chains that break and turn into a, a bird flying in freedom. That's the opportunity we have. We live with resentment and bitterness in our hearts and it binds us up. But we have the opportunity to choose forgiveness as we have been forgiven and that will set us free. So just as I finish, just read you this final quote I've got. Whoopsie, I've gone backwards now. Hang on. How do I go back? Hang on, I need my beautiful assistant to run up and help me. <laughs> Where's the thing? Uh, I'll read the quote anyway, I can read it off my sheet from Kim. She says, I prayed, Father, please help me to forgive whoever has done. Oh, no, wrong one. <gasps> Put myself in a pickle. Forgiveness made me free from hatred. I still have many scars on my body and severe pain most days, but my heart is cleansed. Napalm is very powerful, but faith, forgiveness and love are much more powerful. We would not have war at all if everyone could learn how to live with true love, hope and forgiveness. If that little girl in the picture can do it, ask yourself, can you?